Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. In this episode, I speak with Ian Jackson. Ian is the CEO and co-founder of Insured, America's 106th fastest growing company, which powers the growth of disruptive startups by delivering tailored outsourcing solutions. Uh, In this conversation, we get into the heart of the path that has taken Insured uh, from zero to a company that's growing at uh, pretty much 100% per year, and which takes 40% of its business from direct customer referrals. They have a fascinating sales approach that differentiates them uh, from other companies. They have a very different approach to managing their extensive staff based mainly in the Philippines. Uh, And they've really been able to change the culture from a very hierarchical traditional culture to something much more interesting. And there have also been some real lows and difficulties in the business, uh, which Ian really opens up about and explains how through those tragic times, there were positive repercussions which have really brought the company and their customers closer together. I really enjoyed Ian's sense of purpose, sense of social impact, and his clear commercial sense. This is, if you like, the unreluctant, <laughs> the reluctant uh, CEO who didn't expect to be CEO and found it thrust upon him and has really responded to the challenge. So enjoy this conversation with Ensured's Ian Jackson. Ian, hello and welcome to the show. Hi, good afternoon, Richard. Hey, it's great to have you here. I know that you are the co-founder and CEO of America's 106th fastest growing company, um, according to the Financial Times, which is called Insured. So um, that's uh, in the world of America, where there's a lot of fast growing companies. Yeah, that's really something to be proud of. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, we we that's the the first year that the FT has done this uh, this survey, and we're we're on our third year of Inc. Five Thousand for the US, and our second year of Inc. California. So we we continue to to manage to hit some kind of high numbers on these surveys. So we must be doing something right, I think. Yeah. So you're collecting the uh, the rewards on the mantelpiece, which is uh, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and we just had our first two Stevie Awards this year as well. So that's that's become something of a of a of a, a goal of ours to make sure that we we document our success as we go and publicize it. And these things tend to be quite good for that because they all tend yeah. to be based on third party verification of your business rather than just kind of uh, 
some other awards or pay to play. Yeah, I saw somebody on LinkedIn just the other day announcing you know their award, and I kind of googled it and looked at it, and it was all about how much you had to pay. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's, um, yeah, there are awards and there are awards. But um, what I want to do today is dive into your secrets of scaling, right, Ian? You've wow. built a business, I think you started it in 2014 after a fintech uh, career, successful career in fintech, uh, and you built this fast-growing company. So um, we'll look at the highs and the lows of that journey. To start with, do you want to just give us a quick um, pen picture of Ensured, what it does, and just... You know, I guess what it was like when you started, I guess it was just you or you with the co-founder and what's the size and uh, scale of it at the moment? Sure. So uh, we started in short in, in 2014 with the, the same goal that we have today, which is to offer a differentiated out, outsourcing service. And we differentiate in terms of which clients we service. So people think of outsourcing, they often think of large offices with thousands of people all doing exactly the same job. So mm. customer service for banks or data processing for U.S. healthcare businesses or, you know, mm. mortgages and things like that. Uh, and I think that um, while these are, are probably great businesses, uh, they're not very inspiring to, to me. I, I don't really want to be a huge part of that. And what I do like doing is helping uh high growth startups uh, solve mm -hmm. their problems um it, it, i think that they are they are, tend to be on a kind of parallel journey to ours so we're in a quite good place to understand it and help them solve these problems so we do traditional outsourcing in terms of customer support and back office work um, but then we also do modern things like content moderation which is you know keeping people safe on the internet yeah. Um, and that's something which every day and every shift over your 24-7 coverage, the world is changing and the, 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 the way that people, the ways that people find to be bad to each other change every right. single day on the internet, as we all know, right? There's new things come out all the time. And you think, oh, who thought that up? Uh, but somebody has to be there sticking the finger in the dike and we, and we do right. that there as well. So that's basically the business. And, and um, how did you, um, yeah, how did you kind of come up with this idea, right? How did you say we want to do outsourcing, but for this segment, which really excites us? Yeah, so I spent um, the first half of my career working in fintech for other people, and I moved to Southern California. And believe it or not, in 2012 in Southern California, by my um, by my detailed analysis, there were only uh, I think two real fintech companies here and there were two in maybe Northern California and I interviewed with three of them and there was nothing there and I thought well I'm going to have to find something adjacent and uh, I, I chanced upon another outsourcing company which is doing something quite similar and after uh, a brief stint there and a chance meeting with my co-founder uh, it was time to try and do the same thing so it was a bit of a leap of faith going from mm having had a corporate career and spending somebody else's money to being out there and investing your own money uh, and putting your money where your mouth is and, and going for it. Yeah, that must have been, um, but yeah, that's a big moment, right? You have to go for it. What was it? I mean, let me ask you, I mean, what was it that gave you that courage to invest your own money and really go all in, right? On something which is gonna require quite a lot of investment. 
Yeah, um, I think finding a, a co-founder with a, a very like mind on direction and structure was was really important for me. Uh, it really made it, um, it less of a lonely journey. And I think often the, the, mm -hmm. the founder's journey can be pretty lonely. Uh, you know, I speak to other founders all the time and hear where they're at in the journey. And I, I remember being there and sometimes you have a product and a proof of concept and it can take an awful long time for the first real sale to come through. And, and, and even then you might not be at even, you know, unit economic profitability. And, you know, it's, there's, there's a patient waiting game in, in every business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's uh, afterwards looking back, it seems that you've got to the, <laughs> you've course, scaled the yeah. mountain, but there's yeah. all those, there's all those days in the valley, right? Where you don't yeah. know what's going on. So, okay, so that was the start in 2014. And, and um, just to give us a sense of scale, so where are you now as a business? So we as a business are currently uh, 1,250 people heading to 1,500 uh, easily this year. We're on a, a real fast growth kick as, as some, some of our clients are emerging out of, um, out of their kind of COVID slumbers, I would say. Um, right. And the... the Lion's share of our, our staff are um, based in the Philippines. It's the, it is still the best place to do English language outsourcing on the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, best bang for your buck, best flexibility, speed to hire, all these things which are really important to our clients. Uh, uh, and right now, certainly the, the education uh, level of, of people coming out of college is great. Uh, I don't know what the long term you know, COVID effect is going to be of, of people who have not been in any sort of education for 18 months as seems to have been what's happened in the Philippines. But that's, that's, for, that's a different yeah. conversation for another day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So, you've got a lot of people, international operations. And I guess you serve clients uh, all over the world or is it mainly US focus? Yeah. So, when we started the company, the goal was to uh, focus on a high growth businesses that we understood. So I came from a fintech background. My co-founder came from a logistics background. Uh, we've ultimately done very little of that. Uh, our clients are in a whole bunch of different sectors, which we've had to learn along the way. And then, um, yeah, we're global. So we have clients from China. Uh, we have some of the world's biggest unicorns from around the world who've, who've ended up on our radar, US, Canada, UK, Spain, uh, and all all over the place actually, and uh, yeah. we just we we make sure we do our due diligence before we start working with clients to make sure that they're that they're uh, going to be good partners to us, and then and then we get going. Fantastic. Okay, so um, and I guess the other question is, do you give can you give any sense of revenues or where you are in that? Or I don't know. You might yeah, know yeah. So um, we are we're headed towards a twenty million run rate. Uh, so for uh, we have an interesting challenge that our, our, our revenue ends up being uh, per head tends to be not be huge because mm. of uh, um, because we're we're services yeah our, we're servants and people with people in the Philippines where cost of living is is lower um, salaries are lower so that that tends to be how things are are yeah. measured um, but we're basically doubling the business year on year and that's that's part of I guess one of, yeah. one of the interesting things is that that has been our our pattern and you have to reset your 
management structures on a regular basis when that's happening. Yeah, yeah. You need to manage. We set your management structures. You know, you need to have your management start to pass on to their their teams because everyone's having to step up a level. Uh, yeah. One of my previous guests on the season said, "If you're doing what you were doing last year, you're probably doing it wrong because." That's sheer scale of yeah. growth. Yeah. Means you, everyone's got to step up, right? And exactly. and uh, shift their mindset, which is the hardest part of this often, because we love doing what made us successful last year, right? We want to keep doing it. Yes, no, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, we definitely have gone through those growing pains. Yeah, constantly. yeah, I'm sure. So, um, so you've created this this, this great this great fast growing business. What did you think looking back? Yeah, what did you do really well? that helped you achieve that? I, I think that at the this point, seven years into operating, I think one of the things that's clear is that we have serviced everybody with our best, you know, our best game face on, regardless of size or scale. Uh, and that's been something that we said from the beginning is that that's going to be really important to us. We want to have people out in the, in the, um, in the world who will refer us into other people. And that's been, I think, really interesting. So we've, we've really, you know, it's been a CEO-led sales process, which may be a bit of a bottleneck, but we have avoided having to hire today a sales team with commissions and all the agency issues you have with that. You know, salespeople don't want to, sell something small they want to sell something big and they might want to sell something that you're not going to be successful at uh servicing and we've kept away from that and so we we say that over 40 percent of our clients uh come to us through direct client referral um it's as a proportion of our revenue you know we're still kind of we're still farming i think a lot of the work we did in the in the really early years of the business and so you know, there's definitely more more room for growth uh, when we need it. Yeah, I, I get that. I um, somebody builds my own business on referrals and word of mouth, right? You, it's um, I think somebody once said it, it's like just when you have the person right in front of you, you know, that customer right in front of you, that is yeah. your best path to any future growth. And so often it's easy to go, I've got that one, I need to move on. But no, no, it's that one person in front of you, that one new account, that one customer who, if you serve them to your max. Yeah, no, totally. And um, Biggest lever uh, you have, really. And yes, and there's, you know, a lot of people get sold on, oh, I need to be brilliant at pay-per-click and things like that. And, you know, we're we're quite savvy with things like that now. It is part of our marketing mix, but uh, um, the quality of, of the leads that come to you is nothing like when you get a personal referral, you know, in in our space, working with startups, often people have a very urgent need when they first come to speak to us because something they've done has become something on the roadmap has been either as is on budget or is wildly more successful and they need help quickly. And, you know, and they're not in a position to do two months of due diligence. They want to get a personal referral in and they want to start working. Yeah. So yeah, it tends to be quick. Okay, so you've got a couple of things you did really well. So one of them is, is serving everybody and, and really f- keeping the sales process focused, CEO-led, um, 
yeah, and making sure that whoever's in front of you, you you do the best for. Anything else that you would say has worked well and passed internally as you've um, got the organization ready for that growth? Yeah, I think we're we're we've been very differentiated in how we work with our team. So outsourcing. If you look at the way that most outsourcing companies are structured and, uh, you know, as we interview in the Philippines, people from the bigger players and then the captive centers, so the big banks, whatever, have things over there. Yeah. Many of them seem like they're structured like a 1950s kind of <laughs> Ford based manufacturing plant, you know, very much uh, that there is a hierarchy and people have roles and managers are managers they're not doers and that just doesn't work for us so we have to teach people to unlearn the skills that made them successful elsewhere to be successful in in a world where startups mm. change every day and the, their needs change and the way that we deliver service changes you know um and we and how, how do you do that like if you were speaking to somebody yourself i'm sure you have people doing this for you but if you were trying to like explain that to a new staff member how would you try to how would you try to get up that through to them yeah it's 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 difficult we have to use examples and we have to do coaching and we have to you know we get people to sit in on we do side by sides with successful managers so right now we have a we have a travel client which is scaling up rapidly and the biggest challenge for us is always bringing in middle managers who can help with that growth so we find people who have the technical skills, but they don't maybe have the cultural fit. And we have to have them sit side by side with other team captains and, and leaders mm -hmm. and see how they're doing it. And that's generally how we how we, we do that is we have them sit there. And then our COO is uh, really the visionary that drives uh, that kind of conscious unlearning and relearning process. And he talks about it 24-7 to the staff. And I leave that to him. You know, I'm, I'm somewhat remote from the team. I mean, obviously everyone's remote from each other right now in yeah. a world of homeworking. Um, but he's out there in the Philippines in the, in, the, in the right time zone with the majority yeah. of staff to help really drive that change and that, that conscious learning how to be successful here. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, so you're trying to create more of an empowered um, like decision-making Yes, absolutely. Okay. And empowerment is at the core of what we do. And I even have on my desk our empowerment framework, which is a document we published, which kind of uh, for for clients and for staff and everybody else that we work with to help them understand, you know, how we how we do things and empowering people to make decisions rather than delegating up the way or down the way, you know, is I think the secret to success with, with mm -hmm. our type of client base. So just explain that. So what view of the difference between, say, delegating to somebody and empowering them? Well, um, on a practical level, I think that the, uh, is making people understand that it's, it's you know, it's changing that culture away from being frightened of making mistakes and kind of that CYA, cover your ass type attitude mm -hmm. to, you know, I'm going to do whatever I, the, 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 the minimum I can not to get fired to say, here's a career path for you this is what your future will look like if you're successful here and you need to you know you you're the canary in the coal mine you need to tell people when you see things going off the rails you need to say you know before the data shows it four weeks from now that you had a sense that something was changing 
and you know be that catalyst for change bring that information into the business and you know you'll be rewarded for it and then you know we constantly are telling the stories of the successful people who have you know who have used the structure to to move up through the company you know for our for us you know um our empowerment does doesn't just start and end at the company but it's where our people are in the, in society and you know our goal is to help with bringing more and more people and countries out of poverty around the around the world by utilizing the the, the skills and the education they have and you know uh, we're all limited by what we you know, what we've experienced so we have to introduce people to new ways of thinking and you know they're often quite hesitant and uh, unbelieving at the beginning and we have to turn them into believers and that's a that's a lot of work these conversations are all about scaling yourself to scale your business and one of the biggest barriers that stops us from doing that is getting stuck in operations and not spending time on the most valuable strategic work so I do recommend that you take our free executive productivity assessment. It's just 10 quick questions to find out exactly where you are on the journey to executive time management mastery. You'll then discover how you can free yourself up for more strategic activity. To take the assessment, head to xquadrant.com go slash productivity assessment with a hyphen between those two last words. Now, back to the conversation. It's the power of community, right? You have to have a peer group who is kind of telling you different stories and pulling you up. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and um, you know, one of, the, one of the things I, you know, I, I'm really focusing on the moment is, for example, a lot of CEOs are, are kind of solitary, right? Because they're at the top of their pyramid, and so I'm always asking my CEO clients, you know, who, like, who are you surrounding yourself with? Which people who's going to expand your mind, right? Tell you different yeah. stories about what is possible for you. And that's why, you know, I'm building a CEO community. It's one of my things at the moment, right? Because that, you know, when you get people having higher value conversations, it just changes your sense of what's possible yeah. in a way yeah. that, you know, you can read a million books or listen to lessons or whatever, you know, it's not going to have the same impact as other people around you that you know and trust. Yeah, and we all have different learning styles and we have different things that push us to to do things. And yeah. it is lonely at the, the in the CEO position in, in many ways, you know. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, and, and often the, the things that you do and the changes you, you're making in your organization, you don't see the, the immediate impact. And, you know, uh, sometimes you have to say things 20 times before they're really hard. And that yeah. kind of stuff is uh you know change management and understanding that is is a challenge i think and you know right now our 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 immediate goal for the business is to structure the business so we're ready to be a 5000 person company and maybe that's still not lofty enough because uh the the way that thinking has changed from you know like last year we probably started last year and we were like 500 people or something and now we're 1250 and we're heading towards 1500 by the time you get there you'll need to be at 20,000 or something yeah. exactly and, and that, positioning people to be ready for that and, and upskilling them and changing the structures and and everything else is these are these are not insignificant challenges um and and we don't we don't have as much control over our growth as as other companies maybe do because we're entirely reliant on our clients growing yeah 
Right. Interesting. So, so what are a couple of the things which have been difficult along the way or that's made growth painful or mistakes you've made or, you know, what comes to mind? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest challenges I've had is that um, as CEO for five years, being the only person at this level in the company is working out which hat I'm wearing today. So there's the commercial hat, there's the culture hat, there's this, you know, there's the CFO hat, which I, I wore for way too long. Um, how do you make sure that the right voice inside your head is the one that's guiding the company? So um, yeah. it's right to be concerned about cash flow in any business, but should it be, should it be slowing down your decision to spend money in areas where you probably need to spend money? And, and much of that then comes back to, you know, when do you pull the trigger on additional hires for your middle management? Who you always need in advance, I think. Yeah, one of my clients was a, um, is, uh, is a CEO, but he was a CFO and then COO. And so yeah. when he was in role, it was really easy for him to be basically still wanting to be the CFO slash COO, right? And I was like, you have people for that, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Your job is, is the strategic vision and future of the company. You know, uh, you need to make sure that you have a, your your team in place who can make sure that you're not overspending, you're going to meet your commitments and so forth, right? That shouldn't really yeah. be your yeah. job doing that. So I can definitely hear that. And the idea of the right voice inside your head um, and the hats, you know, it's uh, it's fantastic. I actually, you know, as a, somebody who obviously wears many hats in my own business, I have a I have a file called hats <laughs> and it's just a question. It's just all the different roles that I might be having to do. And what are the questions I need to be asking, you know? So yeah. with this hat on, am I asking myself the right questions? And I find that's yeah. been a really useful, you know, useful uh, tool to juggle some of those. Yeah. And I, I would say also with, the, with, with that, then, the, you know, I, I definitely have created a culture where we are, very margin conscious and mm. you know you have this whole thing about weighing up margin versus growth yeah and you know I, I, a lesson from long ago in my life was a, a former boss told me you know like if you if you give up on margin today thinking it's going to come back later you're badly mistaken you must do everything to keep your margins where they are if you start getting in the habit of overspending you know you will mm. you you will never you'll never break those habits in your organization and you know right now we're kind of trying to break that a little bit um and so we've really tried to use numbers to help just get over that and say, okay, if we need to spend X percentage of our business on managers, then as the top line grows, we need to be actively out there recruiting, hiring, you know, working out how we tweak the structure because whether you see it right now or not, somebody is overstressed in the organizational structure right now. They have too much, they must have too much responsibility and they're going to fail at some point. Yes. Yeah, I think it's often about, you know, what I often think about is it's like what are the capabilities this building this this business needs. Yeah. to thrive at the next level you know and investing in those capabilities is really a must-have right otherwise you do hit the ceiling of complexity you know people can't manage anymore right and things are falling through the gaps or whatever it is uh so yeah and our next challenge is is that we are really we've we've been waiting COVID has, has 
had us on pause for 18 months to open any any new country outside of the Philippines. And that is going to really push the, the conversation around what should our org structure look like? How will, you know, a small operation initially in another market plus our yeah. huge operation in the Philippines plus our kind of leadership in the, in the US, what's the right structure for that? That's not a very normal process there's probably not too many books about that and you know um, I've studied what happens with some other outsourcing companies as they move into new markets and even some of those tactics are just not possible right now so the idea that you hire a leadership team and then you send them overseas to the Philippines or somewhere else where you're operating to get them embedded in your culture is just practical right now yeah yeah how you scale the culture across multiple sites very different places and in different Local cultures is a really interesting question, right? Um, we could, I should do a season about that. There's so much to say, <laughs> but I think, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really important to get the language. Like, what what are the words? You know, what language that we use in this company, and what does it mean? You know, and do, do yeah. we actually def- do we know? Do, have we defined the key elements yeah, that build I, our I, culture? I'm a, I'm a big note taker, and when I listen to other people talking, I, I listen to whatever our current buzzwords are, and I'm, I, I kind of write them down every time somebody says them beyond the person who initially uh, yeah. dated them. And that's a good way to say, okay, are people starting to think in our right. in what the current lexicon is, and 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 use those words because they mean something to them now, or are they outside them? And it's like, do you think about how yeah. do you think your customers? Is it is it do you have client or or do you have client success? How do they make you think differently about how you're going to approach your conversations with clients? You know, do you have team leaders? Do you have team managers? What's the difference and why? Yeah, that and, uh, that's really interesting. I'm going to call that. I'm going to invent a term. I think you've invented the bingo method of culture shaping or something like that. There we go. We should trademark it. Hey, and 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 uh, and we use um, actually we use Grammarly for business, which yep. is fantastic. So we we we're already using it to help us solve for some of the challenges of different idiomatic use of English around the world and Filipino English is strong but it has its unique idioms which are um, uncommon and we 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 put that in place for all of our client and clients customer facing communication and we then we turned it on ourselves and we look at you know it's great for checking your tone and your words and all that kind of fun stuff yeah Grammarly yeah it's a great tool good good call out so another thing perhaps would be good to cover very briefly before we wrap up is um you know, tell me the story you know you you didn't you never wanted to be ceo what happened yeah so um i had a co-founder at the beginning of insured jeff bauer and uh he and i led the business for the first two years together as as managing partners and uh we swapped hats we shared the pain and we were able to lead on each other and we had really good open communication and we planned together and uh, it really helped me take the, the step into entrepreneurship having somebody alongside me right and you know we we only met um about a month before starting the company we we met through a mutual friend who said you guys have similar ideas mm-hmm. and thoughts and beliefs and you know we had a few beers and then we turned to, we thought well we need to change this to coffee meetings because this is getting serious <laughs> and then, alcohol, alcohol addiction in the process of building your yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> and and we, we we came out of that with uh with the you know the the 
the the genesis of what then became insured and, and worked on it together for two and a half years and then tragically jeff died of a brain aneurysm and the the these are sudden unpredictable events there was no forewarning whatsoever and it, it was easily the worst thing that's happened to me in my personal and professional life all rolled yeah. into one and, wow. and, you know uh i it's i had been yeah i mean i mean i'd gone through 9 11 which is something that, that that everybody who's working can remember especially those of us who are working in fintech and had people all around wall street this made for me made that like uh a, a distant second actually it was it's like i didn't know whether i was going to go on or the business was going to go on or anything at that point um and that really that really forced me to make a decision about are you ready really to step up and, and be ceo and take on all of this responsibility by yourself and you know had a lot of support from my my wife and she said look just go for it and jess family were very supportive and helped me through that whole whole process um which was uh totally unexpected um that that they were going to help me through that as well and uh, his dad was um also a successful business mm. owner operator and uh was was able to you know help me with that and so uh he i still hear him in my ear on a regular basis and his you know his his hands are still in everything even though he's never been in any of our current physical locations at, at all we were we were in the middle of a an office move when he when he died and he never even got to see the the the, the, the finished product yeah wow it's that incredible experience and yeah it must have been terrible to go through what's as you look back, well, yeah, what's that given you? You know, what what do you take from that experience? Yeah, I I think that um, one of the things is that you need to put out there where you want to go. And like, I think I was a little frightened to even verbalize, you know, this is where mm. we're going with the business and and take ownership of that. And I think having that really positive mindset of we are a growth business, we are going to hit this target, we are going to be this by the end of this year and this by the end of the next year and um, put it out there in the universe and it's been amazing that you know um, I, I think that the conversations have just become much more honest and very more frank and matter of fact with people I think that our clients appreciate that there's no there's no there's plenty of marketing but there's no there's no fake marketing at our, our company you know um, we definitely um, say what we mean and mean what we say mm. and, and execute on it. And, you know, we, we got a lot of help in that period of early 2017 from existing clients, from yeah. former colleagues and everything else that got us through that. I think we've said thanks. It probably creates an, a, an ecosystem, right? It, yeah, people pull together, you know, you, you business partners, yeah. as you said, business contacts, people come together when you have that human tragedy. Yeah. And it, uh, it, it really, it really did cement some of that with with some of our existing clients from then. Mm-hmm. Some of the people have moved on to other places and and, uh, and have stayed closely attached to us and, and connected to it. And um, you need that. And uh, you know, I think yeah. we were saying earlier that you know, being a being a CEO is quite can be a quite a lonely place at times. And how do you build up um, your your network of of peers? And that for me was a big part of. Yeah. Um, what I got out of that is I now regularly speak to other founders and uh, talk about 
the, the challenges of, of driving strategy when you're up there on your own. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So just aware of time, let's let's kind of wrap up. But I guess the last question I really have for you is what's next? I mean, I know you've talked about this company scaling, you know, potentially even beyond where you're currently thinking. How are you going to need to scale yourself, you know, change or think differently, do you think, yeah, as you I, go forward? Yeah, and the things that are on the radar right now, we're a full, fully self-funded and, you know, cash flow positive business that future scaling might require that to change. So we're looking at, you know, should we should we even think about a structure where we bring in external funding and how would that change thinking? Mm. Um, I've listened to and been influenced a lot by people who've never given up any equity in their business. So mm. uh, there's become a free conference call dot uh, com based here in in yeah. Southern California who are fully like that. Um, I was heavily influenced by Bloomberg earlier in my career. You know, Mike Bloomberg never gave up any equity in his business to anybody ever. Yeah, and that's why he's been so successful. And it creates that kind of ability to fully leave things and not allow for, um, I think, people to have backdoor conversations in an organization and so on. Yeah, well, and it does allow you to leave with purpose, I think, which is the other thing which is missing. You know, sometimes when you get too many investors in the mix, you know, the actual sense of purpose that you actually have as a founder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, absolutely. And, you know, and social purpose is a huge part of our organization. You know, we're, mm. we're a, we, we, we have a charity. We're helping children in the Philippines with education around stem cell subjects, which is, you know, it's in its infancy. But our goal is to roll that out to more and more people and to, and to invest in the, the mission of not just investing in the people that work at our company, but in the societies we're in. And then globally, we want to be a good citizen. So right now we're looking at the, the tragedy unfolding in slow motion in Afghanistan. And we're looking mm -hmm. at making investments to help get people out of that country who've been left behind who are going to be persecuted in the years ahead. And so these are things that I can say I'm passionate about. Yeah. I want to make these things happen and I can do it. And whether I can do that with a different ownership structure is hard to say. And I think it's, it's good for us as a business to be doing these things because our clients care and we're very aligned about that. You know, we have, they're really interested in the well-being and welfare of our people. They want to make sure that we invest in training and everything else. And and these things all come at a short-term cost to margin. Yeah. You know, well, what I think I often say to, to clients is, you know, what are you optimizing for? What are yeah. you optimizing for? And I think in just in your last five minutes there, you've actually Started to put some things on the table, things that you do want to optimize for yeah. and have in the mix, you know. And I think it's knowing those priorities. Yeah. And, then you and can I see think, how other know, things fit around those. In, in a company, you have the ownership, you have the clients, and you have the employees. And uh, you need to think about who's happy in that mix. And I, I, I'm very Scottish about this. So I always think that everybody should be slightly unhappy, but that's not <laughs> the right way to look at it. Uh, but, uh, you know, nobody should be the clear winner in yeah. that in that triangle over the others. And I right. think the companies will often overserve their clients and overserve their owners at the expense of the employees. And that, to me, is, um, is a very short-term uh, approach to you know, how to run your business. And you need to have that part of your pyramid strong. And, you know, we've seen through COVID that, you know, our people are super loyal, believe in the company. And trust me, to get out of 
we were in a culture where nobody was ever allowed to work from home. It was absolutely forbidden. Everybody was saying, oh, you know, Filipinos will never do a good job of work from home. And, you know, the, the speed by which we re-engineered our whole operating model to get everybody safely in their houses and, you know, uh, right. performing in what was, you know, the third market to be locked down globally outside of, you know, Wuhan and Italy. Um, was was amazing to see and I, I couldn't be any part of that I couldn't be there you know doing the work it was it was our pregnant HR manager driving computers out to people who didn't you know getting through checkpoints and things like that you know mm -hmm. uh, that's that's when you really know that you've you've served and you have a loyal and uh, bought-in employee base yeah fantastic well Ian it's been such a pleasure talking to you um yeah, I love the the sense of purpose that is through this business, the sense of kind of doing it in the right way, of putting customers first, but also the fact that nobody should be too happy. I think that's a great, great <laughs> quote. I'll plaster it across the podcast episode. Nobody should be happy, said Ian. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's been a great uh, pleasure. If people want to get in touch with you or find out more about the business, where should they go? Uh, best place to go is our website. Um, we just spent six months making sure that it properly reflects at least the business that we were in in 2021. So that's a good place to start. So the Ensured website is a good place to start. Perfect. Well, thanks again for your time and all the best in this, what sounds like it's the continuing of uh, an extraordinary journey. <laughs> thanks, Richard. Okay, take care. Goodbye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.